Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, agency owners? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, we've got Curtis McHale on our program today. He's based out of British Columbia, Canada. He's a freelance web designer and developer, as well as a coach and consultant to help freelancers and agencies get more leads and turn those leads into clients. Uh, And he also has some really interesting takes on relationships and boundaries and setting constraints for you in your business to help you grow. And that's one of the big reasons that we've asked Curtis to be on our program today. Curtis, it's great to have you on the program. Thanks. Glad to be here. So Curtis, give us the uh, 30-second elevator pitch on what you do right now in your business. So what I do right now is I help people communicate well to their clients. And I do that on two sides of the business. One is for uh, freelancers or agency owners. I help them. And that's more of the coaching aspect. And one is for like in my agency with my clients, I help them. And then I do the work in that stance as well. That's a little more development focused and e-commerce focused. Very cool. So how did you get your start doing what you're doing right now? Like what, what inspired you to create this business? Um, I always wanted to create a business, even when I was like, I don't know, 18, my early twenties, I was doing all manner of heavy lifting construction things like lots of guys do. And I always ran something on the side. Uh, and eventually once I decided that I was going to do web, cause I spent many years guiding, uh, back trips, I decided that, uh, web was good and technology was not that bad. And then I found it super interesting and dove into programming. Um, yeah, and that's how it started just as a generalist doing programming for WordPress sites. Tell me a little bit about the evolution from doing development and kind of building sites and stuff to focusing more on coaching, consulting, and helping people to communicate better with their clients. Well, I actually have a counseling degree. So coaching fits in well with that. But as I did counseling, I was tired of people not really diving in and wanting to do the hard work. Uh, And so then I didn't actually pursue counseling uh, really much out of school. And I just dove in with the web, which I've been teaching myself. And then coming back around um, through other reading I've done, like Jeff Goyne's book, I think it's The Art of Work. I think that's it. Um, And just looking at my purpose and what I really loved and what got me on fire all the time and everything, it came back around to coaching. And I was always writing about it. Like I write for my site and I write for a number of other sites. So I was always sharing it and people were calling me and asking me, Hey, Curtis, can you help me negotiate this contract with a client? Um, So it seemed like a good, just a good service addition to go in um, with because I liked doing it. And that's what I felt very energized by doing. One of the things when you and I were talking, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, you mentioned that sometimes when you go in and coach uh, an entrepreneur, do some consulting about what's going on in their business, you often involve the spouse in that conversation, which I think is uh, makes sense, but is not something that uh, a lot of business coaches are necessarily doing. Why do you involve somebody's significant other in that part of your process? Because it is easy to embark upon your business and build something that your spouse isn't really on board with, right? 
think about a client who I talked to recently and they really wanted to start their own business. And that meant they had to work some evenings and weekends currently because they had a full-time job and their spouse was just not cool with it, at least not with the initial iteration uh, that was there. And they wouldn't have even brought it to them um, if I hadn't said, no, talk to your, or, you know, go talk to your wife about it. And so they talked about it and then I got them both to work through like their plans and their goals and then come together and really hash them out. And when we talked like two weeks later, by the time they had done all that work, they had like a good plan going forward so that, you know, she was getting, she was scared really is what it came down to. She was scared that it would fail and that they bet everything on it. And so they came up with a good plan where they both felt safe with it and they, you know, around income goals and everything else. And then she was totally willing to, you know, take on the kids solely for three months as he really put three months of concerted effort into, you know, making it start, um, not necessarily launched on its own yet, but to really make a good start at it. And then, and soon enough, we'll go back and reschedule and um, kind of gear back to what the next three months will look like for them. I feel like that's so interesting because I, I know even for myself, I don't run every risk that I take in my business by my spouse. And, you know, I just so happened to be an entrepreneur and have businesses before we even met. So she kind of came into the relationship uh, with, you know, me doing this and having a good amount of experience and kind of track record with it. Uh, But I imagine if you were just starting your business and you kept it a secret from your spouse or maybe didn't talk about it or it was what you were spending your free time on, but maybe you didn't come to an agreement that that's actually a good thing for the family, I imagine it'd be really easy for that to create a rift between two people to maybe have a spouse not... Uh, super excited about your business. Have you come across situations where that was the case where like the relationship was really suffering because there was just some communication and goal issues around the business? Yeah, I've had that a few times. I had one recently and he was all excited that he was you know, gearing back his work hours. Um, and he was only going to work 14 hours a day, six days a week and one hour a day on the other day. And I said, that was crazy. And once we talked to his spouse, she was like, no, just be like 16 hours every day of the week. So that's the only reason I said yes, but she still wasn't happy. And we, again, we talked about like what her real expectations were. And I think you said this actually just quite quoted you in my blog post today uh, as we record this. When you talked about, you know, if you can't do your job as a CEO in 35 hours and you have the same idea as a business owner, right? If this is your full focus and it's taking you 70 hours to do it, then you're just not being effective with your work. And, um, and I mean, you have to also kind of wonder that if if your relationship falls apart or you're not getting that support at home, that's not necessarily going to be great for the long-term health of your business either. No, the idea that you can separate like your home life and your work life. And the two, these two compartmentalized things that carry the twain shall meet. It's a lie. Like you're lying to yourself. if You think you can do that. Um, when my kids, my wife's having a bad day, she will text me and tell me that it's, the kids are bad that day or terrible or whatever. Right. Cause <laughs> they're like six, I have six, three and 10 months. Like they're just like that sometimes. Um, and so we actually have worked out a deal where she can text me all she wants and my phone is in do not disturb mode and I never see them. 
<laughs> she gets to vent and I don't get interrupted. <laughs> calls me. But it, it, and we'll talk about maybe some uh, how you create these agreements and get on the same page. Cause I really, I really want to talk about that. Uh, but I, I like just even what you just said is that your wife actually knows that your phone is on D and D you're not just ignoring her messages and she does, she doesn't know about it. Right? I think it's very easy for an entrepreneur that's maybe busy and working on their agency all day and they're getting these messages and they're just kind of like, oh, I'm going to deal with that later. I'm going to deal with that later. And there, there's never a conversation around, hey, when I'm working, I'm probably not going to get back to you, but feel free to send me those messages. I feel like it'd be so easy to be like, you know, can you stop complaining to me all day or something, you know, versus setting some rules or at least some compromises on how to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, you need you need to talk about it. I was saying another podcast I recorded just earlier that if you for most people, if you put the lack of effort and expected the same type of cruise control you have in a relationship in your business, your business would just be failing. It just wouldn't be happening. But you expect your relationship to, I don't know, exist on the cosmic ether in love or something, right? You're not you're not Kung Fu Panda. You do not exist on the single drop of dew or something. You if you want your relationship and your business to work, you have to put effort into both. So how do I know as a, as an agency owner or entrepreneur, how do I know that I've put my relationship on cruise control and I'm maybe just making assumptions about what I'm able to do with my business and my spouse just has to deal with it. I mean, you mentioned earlier, somebody working 16 hours a day, seven days a week. I feel like so many people right now are told by people like Gary Vaynerchuk and the Shark Tank people and whatever, like all these celebrity entrepreneurs that your life needs to be your business. And that's that. So they make that agreement with themselves, but they don't necessarily float that by their spouse. Yeah. And I was listening to uh, an interview with Gary. I don't remember where now recently. And while he does live and said like he works super hard so much of the time, but then he shuts down for like two, three weeks at a time, like no phone, no nothing. He's hanging out with the family, hanging out with the kids. They're on a trip together. You just don't see that because he's not like he's pre-recorded everything. He's not posting to you every day. And so I think if you're going to gauge, are you putting that time in? So if you have uh I like the 12 week year planning system, right? Where you plan for 12 weeks. If you're not doing that with your family too, and like following some of these goals and some of these metrics, then no, I know in one of your podcasts, uh, previous shows, you were talking about like tracking the lead indicators, right? Brent. And so what's the lead indicator for like a healthy marriage? I don't know. Going on a date every week. <laughs> That's probably a good one. Uh, telling the kids to go away in the morning sometimes because go play and we're going to drink coffee together. You know, even quietly, we're barely talking. We're reading, we're both reading something, but we're quietly sitting together and enjoying each other's company. Or like, what's your budget meeting? You have a budget meeting with your partners. Do you have a budget meeting with your spouse or your, you know, your your partner in life? Do you have a budget meeting with them? And extending those, a lot of the same things you do in business. And you think, well, of course you have to do that to have a successful business, have a very good crossover or analogy in your relationship if you choose to do it. I mean, if you value it. I think for often when you really say like, I can tell what you value by where you're putting your time. And when they think about that and they, everyone thinks about that in business. Oh, of course. But when you think about that and translate it to home, you're like, Oh, well, I guess not. And I know for the main breadwinner of the house, um, it can often feel like that's like the biggest thing. And that's the thing I have to do. But like my kids 
are happy as long as their shoes aren't totally falling apart and they'd rather have me play with them than work with for an extra hour, right? <laughs> Definitely setting those those priorities. I, I love hearing you say, you know, using some of the same habits that you might use in your business around a weekly budget meeting. What, one of the things that I actually do um, is we have our, we do quarterly planning as a business. So we come up with these like two page business plan every single quarter and we have scorecard metrics and we have this whole like, uh, kind of deck that we revisit every 13 weeks or so. And what I started doing was, and I realized this, I was setting all these goals in my business, but I wasn't necessarily cascading that to my spouse. So if there was a quarter that we had a really big reach goal or we're taking on a big project or a, you know something new that was going to take up a lot of my time, uh, usually the only time my spouse would find out about that is when she was so you know burned out from me working nights and weekends for like six or eight weeks straight, and then finally she's like, "I've had enough. You know, this is this is crazy. Why why aren't you ever here?" And then I'm like, "Well, I'm working on this big project," and so of course that's when you know things maybe go south and turn into some type of an argument or a fight. But what I learned was when we do our quarterly planning, I now at the end of that meeting, like the next day or that weekend. I sit down with Emily and then for, you know, an hour or two, I literally just take her through our our two-page business plan and talk about it. I'll be like, here's what's going on with the business. Here's our goals for the quarter. Here's what I'm focused on. Here's the responsibilities that I have. And and then, you know, and sometimes she sees that and she's like, oh, it's going to be a really hard, it's going to be a really hard quarter. So, you know, and then, and then the crazy part is, is then we get this opportunity to problem solve a little bit about some things that might be going down that quarter. And usually what that means is, are there days that I can, you know, take off just to focus on family? Do we need to get additional childcare or family support during like really, really busy weeks? And so kind of like doing the pre-planning for that and, and including the the life plan in that, that part of the business plan um, has been really incredible for me because like we did this big event last fall and we, she was like super stressed about it, but then we did this pre-planning and we f- figured out like if we could have family come on these days, a nanny come on this other day. And, and the, f- the funny thing was, is after the event was done, that was actually one of the best weeks that she had like all quarter because she had all of this help that we had arranged uh, for her that week that I was going to be super, you know, plugged into the business. I think too, the uh, constraints, I guess, say boundaries that you put in and your spouse sometimes puts in because they need that extra support helps you focus, right? When your spouse says, okay, no, you can't, you spent all last quarter working all hours. You can't do it this quarter. I need, I need some time. I, you can't do it. And then you look at your thing and you're like, it's your, you know, your plan is like, well, I don't have to do these three things. They clearly weren't that important, right? Once faced with a the decision, they were not actually that crucial for you to do or right. You pass them on to someone else or you just cut them entirely, but you only, had to do that when you're faced with a boundary. So I think constraints and like, say a post today was titled something along the lines of if you're spending more than eight hours a day in the office, then you're not productive, right? And those constraints that you say, I'm only spending this much time in the office, help you be effective uh, and help you choose the right tasks that you want to do, right? Schedule, scheduling your week and deciding I only take calls on Tuesdays, which is one that I do. Um, and then that leaves me like Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday to just do writing and client work all day. And then Friday I do my mentoring coaching calls and that's, that's it. I don't take calls the other days. I don't have a calendar the other days. I just do what pushes the business forward. 
And just for those listening, we are recording this on a Tuesday. Oh, yes. <laughs> Curtis is living in the values, man. So, well, like I said to you when we were booking this, right now, there are times if I want to be on a bunch more podcasts, I may say for this window of time, I will take other, other calls, right? Or other um, time, calls at other times. There are reasons to do it. Um, there are reasons occasionally to take a lower rate uh, than you normally would, right? I will. I'm looking at a retainer now, which is lower than my normally rate, but it is income for four months. And in those four months, I have other goals that I can accomplish because I'll have income taken care of and I won't need to worry about that. I can dedicate two of my days a week to working with that client and then have the other days of my week to build the other aspects of my business I want to work on. You mentioned boundaries and that you have this one boundary, which is you know only taking calls on Tuesdays and uh, you know basically what I just heard from you was some schedule constraints. So when you take certain types of calls, when you give your t- yourself time to work on other maybe deeper thought type work like writing and things like that, are there any other constraints or boundaries that you and your spouse have agreed upon um, that have really worked for you? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to want to go speak to a whole bunch of local groups all the time. I know local being outside of Vancouver about an hour though. Um, And we decided that I will only speak or go to an event once a week in the evenings and we will not hire a babysitter for it. Uh, So that's meant that I had to cancel one recently because my wife had the emergency board meeting and I got called all sorts of terrible names. And that was a constraint we had. Um, So you actually canceled on the event people. Not because at first I was like, did your wife call you terrible names or wait? So, so. No, 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 I canceled on the, I said, you know, I think at a, it was on a Wednesday and on like the th- Thursday of the week prior, my wife said, I have an emergency board meeting. And I said, well, I've got this. And we looked at it and she said, well, I guess we'll hire a babysitter. I said, that's not the deal. Right. I will cancel. And I mm. said, Hey, I'm sorry. I have to cancel. I said, this is like my wife has an emergency board meeting. Our family rules are, which I just listed to you verbally and we won't. uh, So I I have to back out of it. And I got told I was terribly unprofessional and a terrible person. And she was, she being the organizer was going to tell everyone exactly why I ditched them. And I, my first thought was, I hope you do. Cause I'm sure like all the parents there. And I know like the organizer is not a parent, all the parents are gonna be like, Oh wow, that's cool. Like they really chose work. And when I emailed my email list about it, or I did the podcast last week talking about this scenario specifically, they were like, I got overwhelming, like, oh, I'm, I'm so glad to see that. Like, that that was awesome. Uh, you know, I need to have the guts to do that more often. And I had one person tell me I was a terrible person again, and please unsubscribe me, which always strikes me as funny because they could unsubscribe themselves. But. <laughs> Curtis, will you please press that button for me? <laughs> I know that's about it, right? Like, and then they replied again with something else. And I was like, I, at that point, you just ignore it. But so I don't know if I want to spend a whole lot of time there. So <laughs> you emailed your list telling the Ooh. story. Yeah. And somebody on your email list who was not at this event, not really affiliated with it, just was so offended by the story of you leaving this event person high and dry. With- yeah. They called me, you, sir, are a great A. <laughs> can we swear on the podcast? <laughs> I'm trying to avoid the E logo, but you know, we can, uh, all right. Grade a insert your expletive there. Yeah. <laughs> Hole. Uh, please unsubscribe me from the list. And I just said, Hey, you're unsubscribed. Have a wonderful day. Cause that's all you respond at that point to anyone. Even a client is angry at you at that more prospective client. You just say, Hey, have a wonderful day. Oh, nope, that's all you reply at that point. And I unsubscribe to the person. 
Well, I think you have to, and this goes with any um, buddy that has clients or is doing anything that you have to, if you're going to come up with boundaries, if you're going to set yourself like a clear guideline for what is inbounds and out of bounds, you have to hold yourself in integrity around those things. Otherwise, the boundaries aren't going to be meaningful for those people that you're making these deals with. Because, I mean, you know, you've you know, we, we saw it in movies growing up, you know, all the movies in like the eighties and nineties about, you know, the dad that says, Oh, I'll be home at five to watch you play baseball. And you know, the boss holds him hostage again, you know, and it's, it's like, where is the integrity in the values in that? And what do you consider to be boundaries? I mean, if you were playing a sport and you went out of bounds, like no matter what you try to tell the ref, he's going to be like, dude, you're out of bounds. Like that's just, it is what it is. <laughs> like we're not going to, we're not going to consider you in bounds because you're out of bounds. And that's just, that's the rules of the game. And I think that sometimes we take great liberty when we set boundaries uh, with, with our business, because we always think that if we miss out on that opportunity, like you, obviously you missed out on an opportunity with speaking of that event. Like maybe there was a client there. Maybe there was something there that would have been, valuable for your business. And I feel like a lot of people, for some reason, I don't know if it's the business hustle, the entrepreneurial hustle, the fear of missing out, whatever, they just aren't willing to let that kind of opportunity go to stay within the the agreement that they've made at and home. And it wasn't even that, like this person has organized the local word camps. So uh, it is, I may never get to speak at one again because they'll <laughs> say, I'll show up. Um, uh, they said they will never refer work to me either. Uh, not that they have in the few years I've known them, but I lost any of that as well. It was not just, uh, you know, I, I canceled on a meetup group, but I could have potentially said like, I'm not going to, because I get to speak at the word camps anymore. They were said they were looking forward to telling everyone how unprofessional I was. So, <laughs> And ultimately that's their problem. I have not talked to anyone really that has said I made the bad decision. They're all like, great, that's good. Tuesday's your phone call day. You also have this kind of speak or attend one event per week and that you cannot have to get a babysitter to make that happen as a family. So if you're... And it's not Friday nights either because Friday nights is pizza night. <laughs> and you got this other boundary or, or, or uh, uh, you know, ritual of, of uh, or routine. I'm looking for a word there. Um uh, pizza night. So, so what other, right, what other say ritual? It's been pizza night since I was like six. So you can say <laughs> ritual. That's fine. What other boundaries have you created? Are there any others that you've done that have worked well for you? I think it's being intentional with your time all the time. Right. So I can tell you, I said, Tuesdays is this is, you know, calls podcasts. If I can work them on Tuesdays, um, but just being, having boundaries around everything, right. I have no, yeah, I have Instagram on my phone because that's the only way to post to it. Uh, and then actually my phone at the end of the workday goes in a drawer in our house and I don't play with it because it's far too easy just to look at that when you're bored. She goes back to lots of other like learning and how you train your brain for instant gratification, right? On top of like, I should be hanging out with my kids. I My six-year-old for years has been able to say, dad, you shouldn't have your phone and I take it away. Right, she'll go put it in the drawer for me. You can even put a boundary on yourself. I'm allowed one cell phone battery all day. That's it. Right. And can't, that way it can't just it, be plugged in and like no. working on it. Yeah. And I don't use that one, um, but it's a great one to use that way. If you're at the end of the day and it's easy, so easy as an, as you do poor adulting to like look at your phone or your tablet or whatever, and then be like, I'm it's 
2 a.m. I need to get up. I'm supposed to get up at, you know, five to go running. And then you've just thrown off like your goal for the next day too. So having that is another good possible boundary if that's what you need. So let's let's talk about phone because I'm sure everybody listening to this can think about how their phone is helping them in their business. And I feel like that's a really easy... I mean, I've done it. I've been like, you know, my wife's been like, hey, can you not be on your phone right now? And I'll be like, well, I got I got to do this email. I got to do this thing, right? And I think it's really easy to look at your device as, okay, I'm, I'm still working. I'm still plugged in. My team just slacked me. I need to get back to them right now. Like there's so much... Instant. But you're using language in there, right? Like, I got to do this email. I need to get back to my team. Like, the great question sometimes is, what if I just don't? How many times would your team solve the problem? I'm sure a little more than you anticipate. Um, you are the it's defaulting easy to answer you. So for my phone, it's in do not disturb mode. It doesn't get notifications for anything really, except for like, I don't even actually take it into my room. I have a Fitbit and my alarm gets set on my Fitbit. So I, it's not in my room all night. Um, I don't, the only tech, tech device I'm allowed kind of in bed is my Kindle and that's it. Right. My office is in, is actually in my room now, but I also take my laptop off my office and put it in a drawer because that's where it goes at night because it's not work time. Um, and I will power off my desk mainly because the kids like to play with the raise and lower desk. So I just, <laughs> turn it off and they can't anymore. there's, I mean, there's so many boundaries, right? You say you want to read. So well, start your day with reading and then you don't turn on your computer. You pull out a physical notebook, you write down any notes you want. And a great one with that is if it's not a good enough note to write down, it's just not a good enough note. If it's too much work to write it down by hand first, even if the next thing you're going to do is type it into something because you had an idea for a blog post at the same time and you want to get that out of your head, that's fine. But if it was not a good enough note to write down first, it simply was not a good enough note. We let ubiquitous capture. Um, we let it fool us into thinking everything is so good, and it's not. You, I actually use a paper planner. It's so easy with, I mean, pick your, pick your poison, OmniFocus or Todoist or Nosby or whatever, you know, personal um, task planner is to like have an inbox that's got like 900 things and you say, oh, I'm going to file these because I'm now at inbox zero. You're never going to do any of them. It's just easy not to say no to them or it's hard to say no to them. And you just pick your new task planner and like, oh, it's a sense of freedom. I'm so good in this new one. It's such a better system. No, you just don't have the baggage in the system. So it feels better. That's it. You just by de facto said no to everything you couldn't say no to the first time because you just switched systems and you didn't bother moving it. It was not important enough to even be in your system. And then having like, so my, I use a, I don't know how you say it, Leuch term 1917 week planner. It's got seven days across a two page spread. And the only thing I do for future tasks is a post-it note on the like upcoming weeks. And I can write down something that's important on it. That's it. If I can't contain it in there, then it's not important enough. Now, for client work, I do use Red Booth for project management, um, but that is a different kind of a different beast, right? As we regular communication keeps it out of my email. Um, I still on Fridays plan my next week, and again using Red Booth, using everything else, and then write it down on my day planner, and that's what I open up every morning is my physical day planner. There's so many places that I want to go right now, but the first, my first stop, I'm, I want to I want to talk about hard hard to say no to kind of like the the self to do task idea email opportunity, you know, I mean, I, I think the hard part for most people, the hard pill for most people to swallow when working on their business is that most of the activity that you're doing right now in your business is not going to yield any results. Like just thinking about 
the Pareto principle and how 20, you know, 80% of your yield comes from 20% of what you sow, right? What you plant. So, you know, if you go on and do a bunch of podcast interviews that most of them will probably not be great for your business, but then there'll be those two out of 10 that will just drive the majority of the results that you have. Or if you go speak at, you know, 10 events, two of those events are going to be rock star events for you. And eight of those might be not so great or kind of mediocre. How do you, when you look at those ideas, you just mentioned something that was pretty interesting where, you know, you switch from one to-do system to another to-do system and you have that rush of a blank canvas and this is going to work so well for me. And then maybe two years in, you have like a gajillion to-dos and notes and tasks and follow-up things. And there's almost like a certain uh, indebtedness to it. You're, you have all of this guilt for all the things that you didn't do. So how do you more clearly say no to things? Do you just simply delete them? Do you archive them? Do you, uh, do you create a parking lot for this stuff where you come back and look at it for ideas? Do you just not keep a to-do system in place and just put your notebooks in the basement? I put my notebooks in the basement. Like I don't, <laughs> I, I have one physical planner that manages kind of everything day to day. Um, if I have a really good idea for a blog post, I toss it into Trello. That's my content calendar and write about it. And I may come back to it six times. Being a developer, I have lots of great ideas about, oh, I could, I just built this plugin for a client. Maybe I should build another one. And then just knowing like, I shouldn't be doing that because that doesn't fit with my ideal business. Building plugins means I need to be on support kind of all the time. And I just don't want to do it. I have no desire whatsoever to do that type of work. So the answer to that question is no. The most effective word in your vocabulary to increase your productivity is the word no. And setting the boundaries, which you've talked about a ton of times, right, is a great way to do it. We had somebody talking about this in our mastermind community recently about inbox zero and how that was so difficult for them. And I think what we're talking about right now is so relevant for this of just simply making the decision of no, I'm not going to do that or no, I'm not going to do that and, and going through and actually deciding versus saying, I'll think about that later. I'll decide on that later, even if it's really not that big of a, of a thing. Sometimes there's emails that just sit in people's inboxes for weeks because they're just not willing to make a tiny little decision. You know, is there any kind of habit or encouragement that you can give to people to try to make those decisions faster, to become more present in their business and life? I think it's all come down to constraints, right? I block one Pomodoro cycle a day to email. And if I don't get to something for like a week or so, then I just don't get to it. You block I, 30 minutes because just so for folks that are 20, not no, 25, 25 minutes for email 20. per day. All right. So, so that's your constraint is 25 minutes for email, um, which isn't a lot. I think a lot of people that are listening right now would be like, oh my God, like I spend two hours in my inbox or four hours. Yeah. In my but inbox. the great thing about email emotionally dopamine wise and business wise is that it makes you feel productive because not only are you like every time you check a box, you're like, this is awesome, right? Same way that as so you get an email and someone tells you, calls you all types of terrible things and your instant body responses, I'm getting attacked. There is no tiger. It's not getting you. So, right. It, but that's your emotional chemical response to it. So same with email, you get something done. You're like, sweet. I just like won the world because I you know said something to an email and so much of it doesn't matter. Like even the people that often will say, Hey, can I guest post on your site? And I just delete it because I decided I'm not going to respond to them unless it's actually something worthwhile, right? You, Brent, got in touch with me and I said, yes, that's worthwhile. This is Brent. It's from you gurus. I would like to be involved with that. Well, I, I appreciate you not hitting delete. <laughs> <laughs> well, otherwise I would have just deleted it, right? I've had other 
emails from other, you know, shows, blogs, companies of probably similar size, maybe, you know, a little, little bigger, a little smaller. And I've been in a season where the answer is no. And I just delete it. And I delete the third one too. The fifth one that comes through, I just delete it. I don't worry about it. I think like when you put a constraint on your time, it's great. The other thing that, so when I say only do 25 minutes of email, none of my current projects are in that. All of my current projects are in Redbooth. When I, the first task you get as a client of mine is to say, I have read this page on your site that says, don't send me email. If you have to send me an email, because it's the only way you can get me some document for some weird reason, like if you're going to get support tickets and they're going to go into email, fine. But then you update on Redbooth and say, there's a new email about this. And, other, and so I have intentionally seen an email sometimes in my 25 minute email block and looked at it and said, it's from a client. This is the third, you know, the second time they've done this. And I just ignore it. I ignore it until they say something and they go, Hey, did you get that email? And I said, no, I've been busy. I've been trying to work on your project. I've occasionally made it look like I was doing exactly opposite in their project until they said, Hey, hey wait, 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 what's up? I said, well, I don't have any change. This is why I emailed you. Did you read the page? Occasionally it's even been uh, no. Okay. Well, that's your problem. then. That's not my problem. This is your problem. This is what you agreed to, right? In the contract, it even says, I agree to follow these, you know, these basic principles, which are outlined in the page, which says, don't email me. Uh, and if they didn't, that's again, not my problem. I've had clients be mad and I, they said, that's not how I work. And I said, well, that's how I work. Is my goal, is my goal to be the most effective, like do the most effective work for you or not? And, they 99% of the time say, absolutely, it is. So that is the best way to work. I feel like th- this is such gold right now is just setting that... I call it the... This is how I work conversation or in, in your case, in the agreement, having a page, having information set up that says, this is how I work. And getting back to our conversation around boundaries of having those clear-cut boundaries in your relate all your relationships, not just your significant other, but even with your clients... Uh, and putting them on notice or holding them to account for what they've said okay to. Like if they've said, okay, I'm going to communicate in your project management system. And I hear this from people all the time. They're like, my clients won't log in and communicate with me over Basecamp. Uh, what do you I do? You never made it painful <laughs> for them though, right? You never made it painful for them. I've been trying to get my six-year-old to clean her clothes off the floor for, you know, two years, we'll say. And she got a new Easter dress recently and I came upstairs and it was on the floor. You know what I did? I took it hung it up in my closet. And she's like, why is my Easter dress there, dad? She hasn't even worn it yet. And I said, you threw it on the floor. What's the rule about throwing clothes on the floor? And she cried first and like made a whole bunch of histrionics. And I said, you still didn't answer my question. And I don't talk to whiners, right? I don't talk when you're just yelling and crying at me. And, and then she said, well, if I do that, then I lose it. And I was like, okay, well, you lost it. Right. In that case, being the new Easter dress, I said, tomorrow morning, if your clothes are picked up, we can talk about your Easter dress again. So she only lost it for a night. It was dirty anyways. It needed to go. Or this, yeah, she, it was, this time it was dirty anyways. But I currently have two pairs of pajamas that are like her favorite because they match with her two sisters. And they're, they're up on the closet right now. And I didn't even say anything. I just picked them up and put them away. Because I gave her some other warning. She did it with brand new clothes again this weekend. I said, Ethan, your new workout pants are on the floor. What are you going to do? She picked them up <laughs> and put them away. And now the pajamas, and I put them away too. I'm, so, I'm seeing it. I made it painful. That's the only way to do it is to make <laughs> it painful for them, right? Like when you do retainer and you say you got to be paid up by the first of the month, when they're not paid up, you don't work, right? And now if it's a, you know, you had the client, you've had them for a while and they've always paid up and, you know, they're two days late and you say, hey, you're two days late and they get it. Oh, you're right. And they pay it like that, that day, the next day, like they said they would, then, you know, that happens sometimes. But it's like the second and third time you just, don't work. And I've done that before too. And they said, well, why aren't you doing anything today? I said, well, you didn't 
pay the invoice. So I'm not actually working for you now. And they say, oh, well, you know, can we start again next week? And I was like, no, I'm going to book the time. Your contract's actually gone. That's what it says in our contract. If you'd like the time, then you need to pay me for this week because it was already booked for you. And I'll do the rest of the week for you, sometimes two days. And then we can take up next week. And they say, oh, okay. Right. People know just no one's held them accountable. Right. I've done this with companies like the size of Dell. Right. I've worked for the company, the size of Dell, but this was a chip menu, chip design firm. And I did the exact, exactly what I just said. And they said, oh, okay. All right. We'll pay it. And then it was smaller companies too. And they said, you're right. That's what we agreed to. I, I see a blog post in your future that says how to manage your clients effectively like you manage your toddler. Because uh, oh, I, I feel like there's one. there's a lot of overlap between how to hold somebody to account on boundaries and constraints, and um, I think you know, especially as as a solo practitioner or if you're a, a small team out there, your time is so incredibly valuable that if you're letting people run over you or you're letting your toddlers run over you, it's it's kind of the same thing. So I think that that's that's a really powerful lesson to learn and being very clear about how to do the most effective work for your client. And I think that's the key part that I don't want people to, to oversee is, is you can't just be rigid and um, strict on this stuff without telling your clients why you work like this. And, and making them aware of it too, right? Yeah. Like I used to say when I managed a climbing gym, you know, someone would do something, you know, take the garbage out the way the boss didn't like. And I'd say, well, did you know? They said, no. I said, okay, so it's my fault. Hmm. This is how it needs to be done. Let's do it next. And I also say next time it's your fault. So you can't go to your client and say, I'm not working your project because you haven't paid me yet. If you did not set that expectation prior to prior to the agreement. And if, if you haven't set that expectation, it's actually your fault. Yeah, it's totally your fault. Like, how many times in conversations, that's what sitcoms are all based on, right? A sitcom is based on, we communicated very terribly. We didn't actually make anything clear. I'm assuming something that there's no way that you could read my mind to do. And it's going to be funny because it's just so epically painful because like, of course you talk to it. They're not mind readers, right? I mean, your spouse spends more time with you than them and they aren't mind readers either, right? I've known my wife for 17 years now. She still sometimes like, I totally didn't understand what you just said. After 17 years, there's also things we can say where we just look at each other and we're like, we say one word and we know like the whole scenario we're talking about. So you can't expect that out of your clients though. And if you do, then you're making a dumb decision, really. You're fooling yourself. What are some of the projects you're working on right now or any kind of uh, things you have in the works for your business right now that you're really excited about? Well, like I said, I've I just recently read the 12-week year, so I'm really replanning it. Um, I'm working on a couple, we'll say epic blog posts that tie in a bunch of books. So I read about 40 business books a year, tie in a bunch of them together about how to, how to know when you should stop something that's hard, when you should continue it and then how to bring in like diverse stimuli for creativity versus deep work for really getting the job done. That's probably one of the big ones. And then for clients, I just finished launching, I'm revamping a site uh, and they help, I hope you have a good marriage. I'm revamping their main site and then their two author sites as well is the big stuff that I'm working on right now. Well, I find this conversation in general uh, about relationships, boundaries, constraints, work-life balance, all, all the stuff that we've talked about today, extremely interesting. And I just feel like so it's not talked about enough uh, in our industry. People don't spend enough time on it. And I think the ROI on setting boundaries and figuring this stuff out for yourself are uh, is, is pretty amazing. Are you ready for lightning round, Curtis? Yes, sir. 
What is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, I think it comes from the eminent thinker, Tom Clancy, in one of his books where he says, if you don't write it down, it didn't happen. Or one of his characters say that, or it's not going to happen. So I'm a fairly large proponent of that. And having the constraint of the notebook with only a certain size page for days, I just can't fit it. It's just not going to happen. And I will say no, right? No, I can't do whatever you would like. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I think my focus, my planning, I, I get told that a bunch by even just like, you know, friends at church or around that they don't know someone who's focused and stays on task. I have one friend who says it's maddening when you say, no, I can't go out for coffee because that defeats some of our boundaries. And also amazing because his kids, you know, one of his daughters works for me. She's married and has a kid. And he's like, I love that you put that much time into your family and you set those boundaries and you stick with them. I think that was something that you just kind of sparked something in my head about uh, from the book Essentialism, where they he talks about how others respond to you enforcing your boundaries and saying no. Um, that sometimes we have this fear that people are going to be put off or offended. And obviously, we talked a couple times today about that very well may be the case that that fear could be realized. Uh, but then there's the other thing that happens, which is people that actually um, are inspired and maybe even help them get more focused in their life by you declining and, and uh, staying focused on your own stuff. Another thing to remember is I, I've used a sentence is if he, my buddy got mad about that, that's his problem. It's not actually my problem, right? It is not my problem that my daughter has pajamas in my closet. I still have all my pajamas. I didn't leave them on the floor. That is her problem. So remembering when those people react to your boundaries negatively, that is actually their problem. It's not yours. Mm. It's hard to pull yourself out of owning their problems and wanting to be like, Agnes. and even, even talking to you, Brent, it's, will we work together again? It's possible. Will we, t- but like the likelihood of me angering you and worrying about like, Oh no, Brent's going to what ruin my business. I'm going to like my friend I see all the time. No, it's not going to happen. Right. At least at this point and just putting those them in that context. Right. I would give, you know, if Brent said, Hey, will you come help me move? And I'd like, I don't actually know where you live, but it's not until last no. <laughs> right? Whereas my buddy said, Hey, can you come help me move? And I looked at my schedule, I have a really busy weekend. It's a good friend of mine. But yeah, you know, I I got three hours on this day, I can come and help. Right? Yeah. That may mean but my daughters are coming with me. And there's like, okay, they can play in our backyard while while I move. I think that's that's definitely a key takeaway for me from this conversation is that it is, you know, oftentimes in these situations, the other person's response. Um, it, it is their issue. I mean, I think back to early days when, you know, I was in my early twenties and we'd be going out all the time and you've got a friend that doesn't want to go out because he needs to focus on something and you maybe get upset about that. You know, it, it's your issue. Like you're procrastinating about something or maybe you shouldn't be the one that's going out and he's actually standing up for the reality that he should not be going out. And then that somehow upsets you because it's really yourself that should not be going out. And that's a, uh, that's very, uh, very interesting. So can you share an internet resource, a tool or something like that that you use uh, in your business or your life that you think our listeners would find valuable? Ah, probably Zoom is the one that has been the best recently. I've put Zoom together with Calendly so that you just get a Zoom link when we book a call and I don't have to do anything. I don't have to set up a new link or send anything to you. I just have to show up for the meeting, which is great, and then record it. It's awesome. What book could you recommend to our listeners and why? So I'm going to actually pick two. I was going to just pick the 12 week year, but I'm going to pick one called boundaries by Dr. Henry McLeod. Cause we've talked about boundaries a lot. And if you read that book, you'll notice a lot of the language I use, like it's not my problem is uh, 
very key in that. So if you need help setting boundaries, that's a great one. Um, and then the 12 week year, I say I've just finished it and I'm going to be revamping my, how I do my, my yearly goals and do the, my years in 12 weeks. It's so easy to look at your goals often and say, we've, you know, work hard on December or sorry, February, January and February, and then work really hard in December again. And you really only did 12 weeks and you still hit your goal, right? That's great. I have not yet read that book. It's been recommended to me multiple times. Boundaries is a new one uh, to add to my reading list. Uh, so that's a fresh one. I, I like the, it's not my problem. It's your problem. One of our core values uh, at you gurus is carry your own bag. And I feel like that is a really uh, good example of that is that if somebody ha- is accountable for something or needs to get something done, it's so easy to come to the table with, you know, complainy pants or excuseitis and be like, Oh, I can't get this done because of this. Right. But I think and we that let that's... that go and work. Right. But like we said, back to treating a toddler, like <laughs> if they don't get it done. That's not my problem. Right. My daughter, my six-year-old makes her own lunch. I'll say, make your lunch. If she complains about it, I've sent her to school without a lunch. And I emailed the teacher and said, she has no lunch today. She didn't make it. This is not a problem. <laughs> right? I'm and sure she when she's mad. I'm like, are you mad? Yeah. Well, I'm hungry. Well, that's fine. That sounds like a problem. Do you need anything me to do anything about you being hungry? Or will you please get me, right? Or can I please have, may I please have? Mm. Then she's actually asked for something as opposed to just telling me there's a problem. That's very common in my house. You know, I, I'm hungry. That sounds like a problem. Yeah. It's just not mine at that point. So how can our audience hear more uh, about you and uh, where can they check out more stuff uh, from Curtis McHale? You can find me, uh, Curtis McHale, on all the social networks and at curtismchale.ca. Awesome, man. And, and I know you have uh, a really great uh, podcast of your own, so definitely check out Curtis's website. Uh, I know you do a lot of those on kind of a video podcast format. So, And I know your, your spouse um, also jumps on some of those. So if you guys want to actually hear... Uh, I kid on the one last Friday. Oh, nice. If you're, you're listening to this right now and you're like, man, I'd love to get my spouse on the same page with my business and, and all that kind of stuff, then, you know, maybe there's some of those episodes on there that would be useful to listen to or watch together with your spouse to talk about this as, you know, kind of have Curtis present the idea in a neutral space and then they can talk about it versus like, I know I've done this a lot where I go home and I'm like, oh my God, we have to do this thing. And she's like, what? I don't understand, you know, so maybe they can use your your blog and your uh, podcast as a way to start that conversation. You're often not the best teacher for your spouse, right? right. I used to race mountain bikes and teaching my wife to mountain bike was infuriating because she just wouldn't listen to me, but she'd listen to a friend who I just told, tell her to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, okay. And he'd repeat it. And she'd be like, thank you. And she'd do really well. And if I said it, it was just terrible. It was a bad idea. Yeah, that's definitely a... Uh, I don't know why that exists. That's, that's a whole other podcast episode, Curtis. Thanks a bunch, man. This has been fantastic. I've loved this conversation. I think our listeners have gotten a lot out of this. I know I have. I've got a page of notes. I've got some books I need to read now. Uh, thanks again for being on our program. <laughs> thanks for having me. It was great. All right. See ya. Hey.